But our vision for the year is to run our best lap yet. Run our best lap yet. You know, in, in, the, in the Christian life, you know, the Bible talks about us being, being on a journey and, and being, being in a race. And kind of our vision for this year is to, is to make this our best year yet. We've had a couple of challenging years, right? And I've found the last two years challenging for all sorts of reasons. It's been challenging. You know, we couldn't meet physically in church for a year and a half or on Sunday mornings. I mean, it was just you know, totally unexpected and, and, and unusual. But let's come out of this strong. That's what I want to encourage you. Let's come out of this strong. We're coming out the other side now, I believe. And let's come out, come out of this strong. Let's best be a, be, a, be a strong church. Let's, let's come out running and, and determined to run our best lap yet. Let's have our best year ever for God. Amen? Whatever the last few years have looked like, and even before the last two years, whatever your past issues or past, even past mistakes, you know, don't burden that. There's no, there's, don't be burdened by that. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 makes clear. So don't start condemning yourself about stuff. So even if you've had some bad, basically what I'm saying, basically if you, even if you've had some bad laps, don't worry about it, because those laps are done, right? But now you can have a great lap. Amen? Amen? It's about what, what's, happening, what's happening now that matters. As long as you've dealt with those things and confessed it and it's dealt with with God, great. Let's, let's, let's move on. Amen? Let's just be determined this year to have our best lap. Yeah. Praise God. And we've been, and specifically in the video, Pastor Andrew was talking about the Great Commission, recorded in Matthew 28 and, and Mark 16, about... Um, you know, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's our, that's our mission as a church. That's not a vision, okay? It's important to understand there is a difference. You know, all churches have visions of how they outwork things, but our mission is, is true for all churches, which certainly should be true for all churches. That is our mission. It's our co-mission with God. That's what commission means. It's our co-mission. is that we go into all the world and we, and we make disciples. Amen. So that's, that's not a vision of our church. That is a mission of all Christians. Everyone agree, right? Okay. But the vision is, is kind of how we outwork that. So, so, you know, we continue to believe in communicating the gospel, baptizing in water, baptizing the Holy Spirit. We want to see sick people getting healed and, and people getting set free. It's been great to hear those, those testimonies this morning. Let's continue to believe, believe for that. Amen. But our specific vision is, is to run our best lap yet. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, and this scripture was mentioned last week, is one I'm going to particularly focus on this morning. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, or the author, some, some translations say, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the writer of Hebrews, and the Bible doesn't make clear who wrote Hebrews, don't actually know, but it's presumed it wasn't Paul. Um, obviously he wrote most of the New Testament, but he always said it was him when he wrote his letters, so everyone assumes it wasn't Paul, and we don't, don't really know. Scholars can't quite agree on it. But anyway, it's a great book, Hebrews. Awesome, and an anointed book. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. So it makes it very, very clear that we're in a race, that, that life is a race, that life, life is a journey. And it's encouraging us to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that's so easily entangled. So kind of what the picture, and you kind of have to, you always have to understand the historical context of the Bible. You know, obviously the New Testament was written about 2,000 years ago, and the Old Testament hundreds or thousands of years before that. So you have to understand the historical context in which it was written. So kind of in that, in that uh, there's kind of a picture here you kind of have to have in your mind. Is a, I'm sure many of you will know, like kind of the Olympics that we have, the modern Olympics that we have. It was in, invented kind of in Greece and Rome, kind of between them, kind of Greek and Greek and Roman culture, kind of invented the Olympics uh, between them. 
So even at this period, they still had things like the Olympics. Obviously, nothing like a modern Olympics, but they still had things like that. Okay, that's where that's kind of the root the root of it all. So this is kind of the picture, I believe, that that's that's been painted here. Where it says we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, it's almost like a picture. If you can think of like an, like the old Colosseum, if you've been to Rome, not I've been to Rome, but if you've been to Rome, like the old Colosseum um, that's still that's still there. And, and obviously they used to do lots of awful things and those things, and they like throw Christians to the lions and all sorts of things, and gladiators used to get uh, slaughtered and all that kind of horrible stuff that used to go on. But one stuff that did used to go on, but they would do things like races and all that kind of stuff, and they would and, and try and win uh, and win a prize. And they'd kind of be, you'd have like, tens of thousands of people all watching and, and cheering them on. So this is kind of the picture that's being painted here. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Now, who are those witnesses? What does that even mean? You may be thinking, well, what, well that's, that's nice, but who are these people? Well, this is where it's just so, so encouraging. Because what, what the scripture is talking about here is it's talking about those that have gone before us. The Christians that have gone before us, and in fact, all the great people, the great people recorded in the Bible that have gone before us. This follows straight on from Hebrews 11, often called the Hall of, Hall of Faith, not the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Faith, where it talks about the legends of the faith precedes the scriptures this is what it's talking about remember the bible wasn't written in chapters this is just written for our benefit remember we always have to remember remind ourselves of that okay they didn't divvy it up in the way it's all divided up hebrews 11 went straight to hebrews 12 okay so we have to remind ourselves of that so who are these witnesses who are cheering us on who who are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses all the people that have gone before us these great people of the faith read hebrews chapter 11 it will encourage you you know, it talks about Noah, it talks about Abraham, it talks about Isaac, it talks about Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Gideon and David and, and some other Samson and others. These great people of faith who did amazing exploits for God. These are the very people that are cheering you on. That really encourages me. You know, think about Noah and all that Noah had to deal with and, and the way people made fun of him and God told him there was going to be a flood and, and, and people didn't believe him and thought, he was, and thought he was crazy, but he knew what God had told him to do. This, Noah's cheering you on today. Amen? All the challenges that he faced. Abraham and his huge journey of faith that he had to take. on his, his, wife, his wife was barren and they were both old and they couldn't have a child. But God had given the promise that they would have descendants as, as numerous as, as uh, you know, the sand on the seashore or the stars in the sky. And, and they were thinking, how's it going to happen? And they had this, this crazy kind of journey of faith that they had to go on. And it was like 40 years before it actually was fulfilled. And Isaac was born. You know, but Abraham's cheering you on this morning. That encourages me. And Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. Joseph, an incredible story, isn't it? You may know the story of the Bible story. You may have seen the musical. And, you know, Joseph is a great story, isn't it, of, of redemption in God. Everything was going horribly wrong, but Joseph just trusted God. Can someone grab me a tissue? Actually, I've got one. Actually, I've just remembered. Excuse me. <laughs> So um, Joseph, you know, lots was going wrong in Joseph's life, sold into slavery by, by his brothers. Joseph had told him about a dream he was going to have, of course, and whether that was a good idea to tell him about his dream, I don't know, <laughs> but, it, but he did do that. Um, his brothers got very, very jealous, threw him, um, threw him in a pit, he gets sold into slavery, he gets put into prison, he's accused of something he, of sexual morality, something he didn't even do, and, you know, and he's in a real, real dark place. But Joseph knew the promise that God had over his life. And, and you, I'm sure you know the story and what happened in prison. And he has this great prophecy that God gives him, interprets some dreams, and ends up becoming the second in command. Thank you. Becomes a second in command in Egypt, which is the power, one of the most powerful nations at the time. So God does some amazing stuff in his life because he just continued to trust him. So Joseph is cheering you on this morning. That's encouraging, right? So even if you find yourself in a dark place, you find that everything's going wrong, kind of thinking, God, why, woe is me, why, why am I in this situation? Joseph has already been there. 
Amen? And you think about Moses and his whole journey and Gideon and David and his great exploits. David made some huge mistakes, but God called him a man after his own heart. And he wrote the majority of the Psalms just, just, praising, just praising God and so thankful for who, who God was. He had a great journey of faith. So all these people, they're cheering you on this morning. They're this great cloud of witnesses. They're cheering you on in this race. Kind of imagine them in this, in this picture, this Colosseum, this, this stadium. They're up in the stadium cheering you on this morning. I mean, that encourages me. Amen. That should encourage you. So then it goes on to say, so we're surrounded by, we're surrounded by this, such a great cloud of witnesses, great people that have gone before us, that, that they're cheering us on this morning. But then it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. But then run with perseverance, but keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. So it's all linked to running our best lap yet. Keep our eyes fixed on, on Jesus. Amen. So my first kind of point I want to make is what are you wearing on your feet? Spiritually, not literally. <laughs> what are you wearing on your feet spiritually? You know, in Ephesians 6, which is the, where Paul writes about the armor of God, he says this, uh, verse 14 to 15, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And it's all kind of different parts of the armor he talks about, isn't it? But with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And verse 15, and with the feet, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So Paul's talking here about the armor of God. It's ready to, even with your feet, it matters. What's on your feet matters have you have your feet fitted with the redness that comes with the gospel of peace you know in the last last couple of years um it's almost been like we've been uh, i mean it shouldn't have been like this but i think for some people it's almost been like we've been kind of put our spiritual slippers on you know we were sat at home for, for a long time weren't we, we were watching church online because we couldn't go to church and we're almost like wearing wearing spiritual slippers maybe you're wearing church in your pajamas and all the kind of those, those crazy times it seems like a long time ago already isn't it those crazy times and things that we did but my observation is not judgmental, but my observation is some people have still got their spiritual slippers on. And, and God wants you to put your trainers on this morning. God wants you to get out, get out of that kind of a, a, being a spiritual couch potato, if I can put it in that way. And God wants us to step and start running. Amen? Start running again. Now, what the last two years has done, we want to run our best lap. Yeah. It's time to get off the sofa, stop being a couch potato. Let's get fit and let's run our best lap. Yeah. Amen? Amen. So it talks about throwing off everything that hinders. So what sort of things can hinder us? There's a whole load of things that can hold us back and can weigh us down. I'm going to do a practical demonstration this morning. So I'm going to ask my son Jack to come up and we're going to do some stuff. I know, it's ridiculous. Isn't it? it's like, <laughs> hello, hello up there. I don't know where you get your height from. I don't know. <laughs> Not sure. I don't know. But anyway, you do. Praise God. So anyway, anyway, we're going to demonstrate some stuff. So uh, there's things that can hold us back. This is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. There's stuff, there's stuff that can hinder us. So I asked Jack to, I mean, Jack always wears shorts all the year round. Anyway, he's crazy people. <laughs> they do that. Steve, you're a bit sick. Well, you've actually got trousers on today, Steve. I'm shocked. Um, some people wear shorts all year round, don't they? I don't know how. But anyway, Jack's similar. But I did ask him to wear, look a bit sporty today for a specific reason. So, Jack, what I want you to do, okay, he's just got to jog down there and then jog back. Do that. No, no, no. Yeah, just, just down there. Awesome. I know you can stop now. It's not, it's not, it's not a beep, not a beep test. We'll get faster and faster and faster. <laughs> so we keep up the beep. Awesome. But Jack does like sport and he likes all sorts of sport, don't he? Anyway, I play a lot of sport. Okay, so 
when you're not hindered, there's lots of stuff that you can do, and you can, we, can, we can jog along and we can, um, you know, run our best lap. But there's so often in the Christian life, there could be stuff that hinders us. So I'm going to ask you to put this rucksack on, if that's okay. You can just put it on. There's nothing in it at all at the moment. Yet. So Jack's always telling me how strong he is, as boys do. <laughs> so we'll see. You know, so it's different things. But so often we can be weighted down by stuff. So these are one, one of these, one and a half kilos. Aren't they? So often we can be weighted down by stuff. And, and, uh, and, you know, here's some examples of some stuff. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is huge. Unforgiveness is huge. It's a huge issue. And as Christians, God wants us to get beyond unforgiveness. Amen? It, Jesus said, you know, those who've been forgiven, forgiven much, love much. You know, we've, we've been forgiven loads. Uh, the other day I was reading about the parable of the unmerciful servant. You know, Jesus tells stories to illustrate a point and, and talks about the fact of if we can't forgive others, do we even understand what we've been forgiven of? Well, probably not. That's the point Jesus was making, genuinely, wasn't it? He said, if you can't forgive others, you, you're clueless. He didn't, he didn't say you're clueless. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. But, but this is just rea- reality. If, if, you, if you can't forgive others, you're clueless about what you've been forgiven from. I'm serious. Yeah, because if you understand the weight that Jesus has removed and what he's done on the cross, that he's dealt with anything we've ever done or, or even ever could do in the future, if we understand that, that burden that's been removed, how could we not forgive others? That's challenging, right? But there's, there's so many Christians I meet where unforgiveness is, is an issue. And you may have been hurt, you may have been, been abused in every sense of the word. And they may be very real, real things. We're not pretending as a pastor, we'll never pretend those things didn't happen. That's not helpful. If you need counselling as well, get, get counselling because that can be really helpful as well. Okay? But we can't hold unforgiveness. It's something we just have to get, have to get beyond because, because it just burdens us down. So I'm going to stick this in your backpack here. Not very heavy yet, is it? And another one which unforgiveness can lead to, it can lead to bitterness. Often very, very connected where we can get, we can get bitter. We get bitter about a person or just about people, people generally. It could be a real issue, so let's stick some, stick some bitterness in there. <laughs> Feeling bitter? Just getting stuck in the past can be a real issue. People just get stuck at, and again, it can be linked to these two things, unforgiveness and bitterness. But just get, people just get stuck in the past, and, and they're so past-minded, or kind of um, get so kind of maybe nostalgic even about the past, Think, oh, I wish it was 10 years ago. I wish it was... Well, it, well, it isn't. <laughs> no, that's reality. We've got to accept the age that we are. Okay, we're all, we're all aging. That's a reality. We've got to accept the age, age that we are. And, but let's run our best lap yet. Yeah. Amen? Whatever age you are, let's run our best lap yet. So enjoy the, enjoy the season you're in. You know, I'm on that same journey of getting older. Although I'm old, I don't think. Um, but getting, getting older in my mid-40s, um, it's kind of... I think it's, it's when that gets to age when men start evaluating everything in their life. I don't know whether it's a midlife crisis or just evaluating everything. I don't know. It's a fine, it's a fine line fine line between those two things, I think. But when you, when genuinely, you start evaluating everything. You start thinking about what's my relationship with my kids, what's my relationship with my wife, am I, am I satisfied in my job and all that I do? And I have an amazing wife and amazing marriage and amazing kids. Um, praise God. Yeah, but you do start thinking about this stuff. And I think the older you get, and Pastor Andy was talking about this um, to the leaders last week. He's now 57, I think he is. You know, as, as he gets older, you start to think about this stuff more and more and more. About, you know, what, what's, you know, how are you spending the currency of your days and start kind of evaluating stuff. But let's enjoy the season you're in. Let's not ever be nostalgic about the, oh, I wish I was 20 again. Well, you're not 20. It's irrelevant. <laughs> so, 
let's enjoy the season. No, I'm serious. Let's enjoy the season you're in. And maybe it was a great era when you were 20. And to be quite honest, I'm glad I'm not 20 again. All the stuff that God's taught me up to this point. I kind of think, man, I actually didn't know a lot of stuff then. And God's taught me a lot of stuff um, during, this, during this time. So that's been, that's been great. But let's run our best life yet. No matter how old you were, and God may have done loads of amazing stuff in, in your past. And, that, and that's brilliant as well. But let's never even get stuck in that. Let's move on to all that God has for us. Amen? So the past. So we get a heavy one for this one. What's this? Five, five kilos. One. Jack has got some like, serious, serious weights, but I, th- I, think it, I thought it would break the rucksack, so we didn't bring this. <laughs> yeah, it might still break it, yeah, possibly. Unbelief. That could be a real issue, couldn't it? Unbelief. Well, where we struggle to believe that God's, God's going to do what he said he, he, he's going to do. You know, faith ultimately is faith is it's just believing God is who he said he is and he can do what he said he can do. That's, that's kind of my, my definition of what faith is, right? Believing that God is who he says who he is and he can do what he says he can do, right? And actually believing that. Not just saying we believe it because can, we can say anything, can't we? It's easy to say, but a whole other thing for it to be a, a reality. But unbelief could be a real issue. It holds, it holds people back. It, holds, it stops them from running their best lap and, and, and stepping into all that God has for them. What else have we got? Anger. This is not an issue with you, Jack, is it? Ever. No. <laughs> awesome. No, but anger, genuinely, it could, be a, it could be a real issue. Where we get, get so wound up, we can be so, so, so highly strung. We get so easily wound up and people frustrate us. Or maybe you get frustrated at work or, or in your home life and stuff. But it can be a real issue. And I believe, again, it's something that God needs to deal with. It's, it's something we've got to leave. We have no choice. If we're, we're going to run our best lap yet, we've got no choice but to leave these things behind. Because they will hinder you. This is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. They will hold you back. And you will not be able to run as fast as you would have done. Right? So there's, there's, there's so many different things. So unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, resentment, unbelief, the past. What weights we've got left? We'll stick a couple in for this. Disappointment. That can be a huge one, can't it? Disappointment. Thinking, God, you've answered their prayers. Why haven't you answered my prayers? Why didn't it work out the way I thought it was going to work out? I don't, underst- I don't understand. And getting yourself into, into, a, into a bad place. But again, that will hold you back. It will hold you back from running your best laps. So it's stuff we have to be unhindered by. So let me do this up, if I can. may not be able to do it up. You have to do it like that. <laughs> it's so heavy. So now, you, now I want you to jog there and back. Knowing you, probably won't make the slightest bit of difference, will it? <laughs> Don't let the weights fall out. Okay, but it's not as easy, right? It's wholly different. Yeah, do it once more. That's fun. We're enjoying watching you suffer. <laughs> okay, you can stop now. Okay, but it's not as easy, right? Because because it will it will hinder you, it will hold you hold you back. It's like when they do. I don't know if you ever seen like SAS training or that type of, or just general army training where they have to wear, wear a massive backpack, don't they? I think it's at least, I think even the standard army training, I think it's 20, is it 20 or 25 kilos, I think. 30 kilos, Jack knows. <laughs> they have to wear 30 kilos, that's not even SAS training, that's just general army training. You know, and then they have to do like a, like a I don't know, 50 mile run or whatever it is, it's crazy. Um, you know, to test, to test their fitness, but it's just so much more difficult, isn't it? When you've got that upon your back, your back will start to hurt, it will make your legs ache, it will, it will just be like, you just, <laughs> just want to give up, <laughs> um, or worse. Um, it makes it so much more difficult. But this is what so often the Christ- our Christian life looks like. That's why I wanted to show you a practical demonstration, because I think it illustrates it well. It's what so often the Christian life can be like. Well, we're, we're burdened by stuff. And God wants us to run unhindered. 
Amen? Now, I want to move on from that. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks, we're going to start unpacking this stuff. What does this actually look like? What does it mean to let go of unforgiveness, of bitterness, of anger, resentment, disappointment, unbelief, let go of the past? Let's start unpacking that over the next few weeks. What does it actually look like? Because all this stuff, we need to actually, it's great just to mention these things, but how do we actually deal with this so it no longer hinders us, so we can run our best lap yet for God? Amen? But then the writer of Hebrews, he goes on, you are going to find this more tricky. It goes on to say about the sin and habits that entangle us. It talks about sin and habits and addictions. So these aren't the same types of issues in one sense, although obviously anger can be a sin. But you know what I mean? But they're not quite the same types of issues. These are, these, are, these are actual things that we allow into our lives. Sins, habits, addictions. And it says what they do is, is they tangle us up. And it makes it much, much harder to run. So I'm going to tie you up now. Okay. Southampton scarf. <laughs> awesome. Great. Okay, so you're now tangled up. So now what I want you to do, be careful. Are you ready with an instant report, Natasha? So what you need to do now, jog, but be careful, seriously. Uh, Go down there. I don't know if you can jog. You may have to jump. Jump. (laughs) There we go. Watch the weights as well. Oh, man. This could go horribly wrong, couldn't it? But if you jump back. Go on, you can do it once more. Go on. Go for it. (laughs) No, you'd have to do it again. Not really. I'm only joking. Okay, but this is what sin, so I want to demonstrate this is the second point he talks about, is to talk about stuff that tangle us up. Yeah. So now, now, you've got a, now you're doubly burdened. So you've got, a whole load of, you've got a whole load of issues you're carrying around. Unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, resentment, all that kind, all that kind of stuff. Unbelief, the past, disappointment. And then, and then you add to that kind of, you know, sins and things that we need to deal with, things that we're allowing into our life. Habits that we know, when I'm not, no one's being condemned this morning, but you know the things God's talking to you about. I don't need to convict you. The Holy Spirit will do that, right? It's the Holy Spirit's job to do that, in fact. Not even my job as a pastor to do that. Okay, I'm not pointing at anyone this morning, but you know what God's talking to you about, and you know what those things are that stop you from running your best race. And God wants you, God wants you to deal with those things, because what they would do is tangle you. Remember, they're all, remember that the temptation, temptation itself isn't wrong. Okay? It says that Jesus was tempted in every single way, so temptation is not a sin. Okay? It's very clear, important to make that clear. Okay? But it's what we, then, what we then deal with it at that, at that point, and Jesus always dealt with it right. Amen. Paul talks about taking every thought and making it obedient to Christ. Um, you know, taking it captive and making it obedient to Christ. That's how you deal with thoughts. Temptation always starts at a thought, at a thought level. Because otherwise, sin. What it would do is it will just, it will just tangle you up. Remember, all, all temptation. The devil's just trying to trip you up. It's always, it's always a trap. The devil knows what your greatest weakness is. Think about it. you. Think about it right now. No one has to put their hands up or say anything. Okay, just think about it. What is your greatest weakness? I'm serious. Think about it. What is your greatest weakness? In, term, in terms of sin, I'm talking about. In terms of sin, what is your greatest weakness? The devil will lay trap after trap after trap after trap on that one particular thing. I'm serious. He will. You know, we just have to wise up about these things. The devil will lay traps. 
And what are we going to do about it? Because this is what the devil wants to do to you. He wants to tie you up. He wants you to be tangled. He wants you to stop you running your best race. So, so, so he goes, no, but Jack, a runner, has got a whole load of issues. Burdened down and tangled up. But God doesn't want us to be dealing with either of those things. Amen? He wants us to step into all that he has for us. He wants us to be running our best race. He wants us to lay aside everything that entangles and all those things that hinder us so we can run the perseverance, that race that's set before us. Amen. So I'm not going to take these off for you. You'll be glad to know. You can run again. Okay, if you run again. Hooray! He's now free. Free at last. He the sun sets free. He's free indeed. Awesome. Great demonstration. Okay, you can grab your seat. Thank you, Jack. Give him a big clap. <laughs> awesome. Amen, but I think it illustrates it well. He's now, now free to run. Okay, so God doesn't want us to be, want us to be burdened. Again, we're going to unpack this. So like, we're going to unpack the difference of the burdens us down. We're going to start unpacking this about sins and habits and addictions. How, how do we break free from that? How do, we get, how do we wise up to what the devil's traps are? How do, we, how do we deal with temptation at the temptation level? Because remember, it's not a sin at temptation level. It's about what we then do with it. How do, how do we deal with it at that level so we don't get tangled up, so we don't fall into traps, so we don't, we're not tripping up and falling flat on our face? Amen? Because God wants us to live free and, and to run free, to run our best lap. Amen? I'm just going to finish with this bit very quickly because time has time's gone quick. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24 to 27 says this. Paul writes this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Remember I said about like the Olympics, very different to what it is now, but what already was a thing they'd call it the games. Okay. Remember, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beat in the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So Paul there is encouraging us to, to run our race and to run it to win, to win the crown. Remember, there is a crown, and Pastor Andy talked about this last week. There is a crown that we'll all receive, that crown of righteousness, you know, when we, when we meet God face to face. Amen? So let's run for that crown. Let's be, always be eternally minded. Remember, this, what, this, this physical world that we're on, it's, uh, our life on this time, whether it's 80, 90, 100 years, wherever long it might be, it, it's fleeting compared to eternity. Let's always be eternally minded. Let's make decisions in our lives based on what's going to happen in eternity. Amen? He talks about preparation to run his best race, that you have to, you have to think about preparation. You know, someone can't just go and, and, you know, they just eat hamburgers all week, spend all their time at McDonald's, and then they're like, well, I'm going to win the 100 meters. Well, you aren't. <laughs> sorry, to break, sorry to break it to you. Um, you're probably not going to finish at 100 meters, let alone win it. Um, yeah, but that's reality, isn't it? You've got, you've got to look after yourself and, you've got to, and, it, and go, go into training. And this is stuff, again, we're going to unpack over future weeks, okay? So things like, things like your diet, well, we need to be feeding on the Word of God. Now, that, that is the best diet you can possibly have, amen, is the, word, is the Word of God. It is spiritual food, it is spiritual sustenance. The great thing about the Word of God is you can't overeat on it as well, which is awesome, isn't it? <laughs> amen. You can't, you can't overeat on the Word of God. You can't have, you can't have too much of it. It's not going to make you sick. I mean, the more you have it, the, the better you'll be. Amen. You can't get fat on the Word of God. Praise God. <laughs> Tasha's learned something, that's good. But God wants, to, God wants us to feed on the right stuff. 
And he talks about being a, being, going to training and, and how you have to discipline yourself. And, and think about fitness. You know, myself and Jack, we were, uh, and my dad, we were at Saints yesterday watching our FA Cup win, which is a hard fought, <laughs> it's a very hard fought win in extra time. Anyway, um, got on in the end. But anyway, and you, know, and you kind of watch these players, and I know they get paid ludicrous amounts of money. I, I agree, that's true. Okay. And, and obscene amounts of money in some cases. But anyway, but they do have to really think about training. They do have to have a very, very, uh, very clear kind of fitness regime. They can't just eat whatever they want. They can't, I mean, it's not like the old days of football. You can't drink alcohol. I mean, you'll be, be sacked these days if they find you've been out clubbing or partying, whatever else. Um, they have to have a very, 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 very strict regime and a very, very strict diet. And I think they have to drink about five, is it? It's about, we read it with someone once, it's about five litres of water a day, is it? All kind of stuff. They have to have about 10 hours, 10 hours of sleep a day. They sleep like eight hours a night. And then they have to sleep like two, three hours in the afternoon after training. And all kind of stuff. That sounds nice, isn't it? Um, but they have to look after their bodies, okay? Because it's, it's all about replenishment, isn't it? About mus- muscle replenishment and looking after yourself, um, et cetera, et cetera. They have to go very, very strict, um, strict regime in order to be, able to, to be able to do that and to, to have what's in football terms is called match fitness, uh, which means you're basically you're able to run for an hour and a half, 90 minutes in a football match. And, and the top players will run well, seven, eight kilometres um, during a match, the top players will. So you have to be, you have to be very, very fit um, to be able to do that. So, but it, it takes a lot of discipline. Now, obviously, if you're getting paid hundreds of thousands of pounds, it's a lot easier to be disciplined. I accept that's a reality. Okay? But they have to be very disciplined. That, that's true, isn't it? And if they weren't disciplined, then they're not going to be able to do what they, what they want to do. So, so Paul talks about this. He says, you know, I strike a blow to my body. It's about being, making your body into submission. So again, we're going to unpack that. What does it mean to actually be, be disciplined? I mean, that's what the word disciple means, isn't it? Or disciplined means. I mean, it comes from the word disciple. What does it mean to be a good disciple, to be disciplined for God? You know, training can be, in a physical sense, training can be uncomfortable, but it's so worth it in the end, for those of you who are really into physical stuff. You know, even things like stretching and getting warmed up. You know, we've got a treadmill at home, which I do use from time to time. Um, and I'm losing some weight, I think, to be fair, I think, <laughs> apparently. Um, anyway, so, but one thing that Wendy's, Wendy's always on at, me, on at me about this is about making sure I warm myself up and, and stretch before and afterwards because you can cause yourself a whole load of issues otherwise. Yeah, but that's, but that's another example, again, in a spiritual sense. Sometimes we have to get warmed up. Sometimes we have to stretch, you know, and God uses situations to stretch us. And, and God uses situations to warm us up for the race he's had ahead for us. Maybe you've been through some whole difficult stuff over the last few years, you know, but that, that may have been God warming you up. Change your perspective about it. That may have been God intentionally stretching you. I'm not saying God brings bad stuff into your life, but that may have been God intentionally stretching you and warming you up because he knows he wants you to run your best lap. Yeah, this year, does that make sense? So that's God preparing you for what he wants to, do, wants to do next. So we're going to start unpacking that. I know time's going. We're going to start unpacking that in the weeks ahead as well. What does it mean to be trained? What does it mean like to have a right spiritual diet? And what does it mean to be stretched and, and warmed up and, and disciplined and ready for the race that God has for us? Amen. So it's going to be exciting stuff. It's going to be good. Preparing us for running this best, this best lap. So take off your spiritual slippers. Get your spiritual trainers on. Let's get, let's get, let's get ready to run. Get ready to rumble. That was a song, wasn't it? Get ready to rumble. Not get ready to rumble. It was it Ant and Deck or nothing? It's a long time ago. Anyway, let's not get ready to rumble. Let's get ready to race <laughs> into all that God has for us. Amen. Let's run our best lap yet. Praise God. Let's be disciplined. Let's lay aside everything that hinders that sin that's so easily entangled. Let's stand this morning. Thank you, God. God, you're so, so good. 
Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, it is a gift to us. Lord, we thank you for all the word teaches, Lord, in a way, Lord, that helps us, Lord, and, and trains us, Lord God. And we, Lord, we thank you for the scriptures, Lord, we've read, Lord God, and we want to run our best lap yet for you. Lord, whatever the last few years have looked at, whether they've been tricky, difficult, whether we've made mistakes, whether we've tripped up, or even if they've been incredible laps, Lord, we want this year to be our best lap ever, Lord God. Lord, and we don't want to be, we don't want to be hindered by stuff. Lord, we don't want to be burdened by stuff. Lord, we want to move on from stuff of unforgiveness and resentment, the past, unbelief. But we want to move on from that. We don't want to be hindered by that. We don't want to, we don't want to be held back in the race. Lord, we want to be able to run as fast as you want us to run. Oh, God. Lord, and we don't want to be entangled up either. We don't want to fall into the devil's traps. We don't want to trip up. Lord, I pray we'll wise up to that, Lord God. Lord, give us complete victory over sin. Lord, maybe deal with temptations at a temptation level. Or maybe live right and, and holy for you, Lord Jesus, so that we're not entangled. So again, when Lord, we're not being held back. Lord, and maybe we'll be disciplined. Or maybe warm up and, and stretch. And that's what you do sometimes, Lord, is stretch us. Lord, you're preparing us for future races and future laps. Lord, maybe we'll be warmed up and stretched and, and disciplined and have the right spiritual diet, the word of God. Let us be ready, Lord, for all that you have for us, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, and I pray, Lord, Lord, more than anything, and all those things, Lord, we'll keep our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, you're the ultimate pace setter. Lord, just in a race, Lord, that there's a person at the front who's setting the pace for everyone else. Lord, that's what you do for us. Lord, and we want to, Lord, what we say this morning is, Lord, we want to keep up with you. Lord, we don't want to be lagging behind. And we know, Lord, that's not your intention for us, but often it's because we unburden ourselves with stuff. Lord, we want to keep up with you. Lord, we know that you're our head and we're keeping our eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, we're keeping our eyes fixed on that, on that crown of righteousness, Lord, that we're going to receive in heaven. We want to be eternally minded, Lord God. Help us not to be distracted, not to the left or, or to the right, but to keep our eyes focused on you and our eyes focused on that crown in Jesus' name. Help us to run our best lap yet. Yeah, I pray that be true of every single person, Lord, that's here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to pray just a second prayer and just give anyone an opportunity this morning if you don't yet know God. Or maybe you've gone off track, kind of to use that same analogy of the race. Maybe you've kind of gone off the track or gone, gone out of your lane and kind of gone down a, a lane that God never intended for you. So you just need to get some things sorted and, and straightened out with God. And God's not, God's not condemning you. Just like in the story of the prodigal son where Jesus just illustrated the heart of the father. He's just waiting for you to come back. He's just waiting for you to come to your senses and say, Father, I've sinned. I want to be back in your family. And that's, that's all you've got to do. And he's just waiting there with open arms. He's not going to judge you. In fact, he's going to have a massive party when you come back. That's what Jesus made very clear. He's just waiting for you to come back. So maybe you've just gone off track. Or maybe you've never invited Jesus into your life. And you want to do that this morning, I just encourage you to pray this prayer. Let's all just pray this together. Thank you, Jesus, for your love for me. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. For taking all my sin, anything I've ever done wrong. I ask you now to wash me clean, to make me new, to make me a member of your family. I invite you into my life. I want to live for you. I want to run the race that you've set out before me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you've never prayed a prayer like that before, you're getting things back on track, back in the, back in the race this morning.
You're getting, getting your spiritual trainers back on. You'd be wearing spiritual slippers and you're getting yourself back right place with God. I just want you just to raise your hand and say, yeah, I've prayed that this morning because I'd just love just to chat and pray with you. Is there anyone this morning? Thank you, God. God, you're so good. You're so wonderful. Lord, may we run our best race for you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Praise God.